Good morning. It's good to be with you today. Good to see you. Good to worship with you. Good to see God move in our lives. If you've never been in a church before that, uh, that has prayed for people this way, James chapter 5 gives us uh, really the instruction to do so. So we're just taking it right from the scriptures. And if you have a question about that, I'd love to talk to you sometime, try to answer those questions. It's great to be here today. We're continuing our series uh, called Together, and my message today is Together We Can Change the World. Now, I need you to hang on with me, okay? Because I realize that sometimes when I start a message, your thought, uh, your reaction may be, what does that have to do about anything? And so I just want you to know that I'm going somewhere, so hang on with me, okay? All right? Because my first question is going to be deeply spiritual. All right? Deeply spiritual. Here's the question. What is your favorite, or who, rather, is your favorite superhero? <laughs> <laughs> wow, of all the answers that possibly could be given, I did not expect uh, <clears throat> what is I want you to I want you to think about on the count of three, I want you to tell me the now you're you're like this is this is silly. Yes, it's silly. Work with me, okay? On the count of three, I want you to tell me out loud the name of your favorite superhero. One, two, three. Okay, we, we, we all know, I mean, there's, there really could be like, a, we, could, we should really rank them almost in order of, you know, sort of like importance or value, but, but if we did, Superman is going to, he's going to be the top of the list, right? Okay, I feel, I feel like Batman gets a lot of publicity, um, and so sometimes, uh, you know, publicity can get you high on the list, but Batman and Robin, Spider-Man... Wonder Woman, uh, in that invisible plane, um, you know, uh, Captain America, um, the Hulk, all right, uh, how about, how about Captain Marvel, that's a new one in my, my, I, I didn't realize that that was even a character, Thor, okay, um, Thor is a, is a great one, the Black Panther, Iron Man, the Avengers as a whole, Justice League, I, on Saturday mornings, I mean, when I was a kid, you know, it's, Watching cartoons, Justice League was like, that was, that was a big one, you know, as we grew up uh, watching those things. But I have to admit that my favorite, okay, as a kid, my, and I'm, I'm, I'm bearing my soul, I'm being transparent here, okay, I'm being authentic with you. My favorite was Aquaman, okay, I, there's just I, I love swimming as a kid, so Aquaman was my favorite. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, if you ask people about Aquaman, you know, ladies start going weak in the knees now, um, you know, because of, of, of Aquaman, you know, in the movies. But let me just give you, because we're in the golden era of superheroes, okay? And let me, let, me, let me prove to you how golden this era really is, okay? Uh, I'm going to just give you some, some numbers here from the top 10 grossing movies of all time, okay, of all time. Number 10 on the list would be Avengers Age of Ultron, which grossed $1.41 The Avengers was number 8 
grossed $1.52 billion. At number five was Avengers Infinity War, grossed $2.05 billion. And then Avengers Endgame grossed $2.796 billion. Top 10 list, the, the superheroes are four of those top 10. Now, if let's say if your grandparents or your great-grandparents, okay, depending on how old you are, um, if, if they were alive, um, in fact, some of you, it might have to be great-great-grandparents, but if they were alive and um, they went to the store, to a dime store, in 1938, and they went to the shelf and they took one thin dime, okay, and they put it on the counter and they bought... In June of 1938, they bought the first ever edition of the Action Comic Series, which introduced its new character for the first time, named Superman. If, they, if, your, if your family spent that dime, and they took that comic book, and they put it in a safe environment, and they gave it to you today... They spent one dime on it. Do you know how much that dime would be worth today? $3.2 million for that one comic book. It's unbelievable. But you know what? We, as a culture, okay, as a culture, we love superheroes. We do. We like them because they fight against evil. They defend what is good and what is right. They restore justice. They, at the end of every episode, they save the world. And we really like that. Now, those are all good things. But let me ask you this question. Does the world really need any more superheroes? I want to say to you that I think that the world needs something different than superheroes. Our series is called Together. And I want to challenge you that rather than superheroes, our world needs something a little more like this. Do you remember this? I thought you could. Do you remember this? Doesn't this make you feel good? Come on, do you think you can sing it with me? This is good. This is all still introduction. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day, a neighbor, would you be mine? Could you be mine? Isn't that awesome? That is, come on, give yourselves a hand for that. We could keep going and we would sing and we would become nostalgic about it, right? I want you, let's do a quick comparison, okay? Superheroes compared to Mr. Rogers. Are you with me? You're like, honey, he's never going to bring this back around full circle. <laughs> oh, ye of little faith. Come on, work with me here. Who would be stronger? 
Superman or Mr. Rogers? We would have to say that Superman would be stronger, okay? Who would be better looking? Aquaman or Mr. Rogers? And all the ladies said, the fish guy, that's right. But who has a better attitude? You know, superheroes are known for their sort of, sort of smoky, sultry, you know, just their, 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 that, that prideful arrogance, you know, versus Mr. Rogers' quiet humility. I, I think Mr. Rogers clearly wins on that one. Mr. Rogers, he, he said to us, there's no one else quite like you, and I love you just the way you are. Who demonstrates the capacity to work together better, Batman or Mr. Rogers? And I know what you're thinking. Pastor Kevin, you made a mistake on this one because Batman had his sidekick, Robin. Therefore, he shows that he can work together just as well. Did you know that in the comic series, he actually has had three Robins? Two of them left him, okay, to start their own gig, all right? So really, he's not all that. And, and basically, they are, they've been the butt of his jokes and his mistreatment over the years. One of them actually even dies. But Mr. Rogers, he taught us how to communicate love. He taught us how to control our anger and what to do when we feel feelings like that. He taught us to always be kind to others. And then the final comparison is who, who's more real? The superheroes or Mr. Rogers? Now, superheroes, we would have to admit, are all fantasy characters. But Mr. Rogers used the world of make-believe to make a real difference in a real world. Now, Changing the world, which is what we're talking about today. Changing the world doesn't require superhero powers or superhuman abilities. Mr. Rogers changed the world through his puppet characters, through music, through the land of make-believe, through words of encouragement and love that he spoke to children just like because I sat there and I heard those songs and I heard those words of encouragement that he spoke. As the church, we fulfill our purpose when we experience and live out God's love together and then we turn around and we share it with the world around us. And I believe that God isn't looking for a bunch of superheroes to change the world. I believe that he's looking for people just like you and me who will make the choice to every day live for Jesus Christ. I believe that's what God is looking for. So I want to share with you that if, if we will agree to, to work together, that we can indeed change the world, but there's three things we're going to need to do in order to accomplish it. Number one, we need to dream big and act small. 
Now, I, I don't frequently say this to you, but I'm going to say this. This is a little phrase that I really want to encourage you, and if only to help you remember it, write it down. Write it down in your, in your phone or write it down on a piece of paper, but I want you to remember this phrase. Dream big, act small. We struggle with both. We struggle with both. We struggle to dream big. We struggle to dream of a big dream. What can God do in our world today? We struggle with that. And we think that if someone is going to dream big, then the actions have to be big to follow them. And absolutely the opposite is true. Even the title of my message, Together We Can Change the World, that's pretty audacious, isn't it? That's, that's kind of big to even make that sort of statement. Listen, Taylor, who do you think we are, or that you are, that you're saying that we can change the world? You realize the limitations that we have? Yes, I do. But I also realize that we serve a God with unlimited power who has filled us with that power and calls us to make a difference in the world. But you say, how can I, how, how can you and I together, how can we influence the, our world to that degree? What can we do? And as I was studying this week, I came across, across a story that I, I had to dig a little bit deeper on, and the guy's name is Kent Stewart. I don't expect that anyone has heard of him. He's really, um, for, for, for most most of us, he would just be a normal guy. He's a business owner. And um, he was on vacation with his wife. And they were in Africa. And they decided that they wanted to do something really adventurous um, on this vacation. And so they decided that they were going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Now, Mount Kilimanjaro is not the biggest mountain in the world by any stretch of the imagination, but it is the largest peak on the African continent. And Stewart said that when he was climbing up Mount Kilimanjaro, which uh, I, I've not done it, I have not watched any videos on it, but it's, it's very different from climbing the other peaks, his thought was not, I've, I, I have got to climb this peak so I can turn around and do another one. His whole thought climbing uh, Mount Kilimanjaro was, I can't let my wife beat me to the top. That's where his mind was, okay? Men, how many of you, your mind has been in places like that before? I can't let my wife, I can't let my friend, I can't let my brother, I, I, I can't let him beat me, I gotta win, okay? That was what his thought was, but at some point after that, he made a decision, he made a commitment, he, he said, I want to set as a goal that I will climb all seven of the highest peaks on each of the continents. And he had one down after that vacation, so he realized, okay, I've got to start planning to accomplish my goal of the other six peaks on the other six continents. Now, I, I want to tell you that at that point in his life, he was 50 years old. And I, that's one of the things that shocked me, okay? That he was 50 years old when he set that goal for himself. Now, after this accidental goal setting came about, 
and he begins to climb the peaks on the other ones, it's only natural that starting with Kilimanjaro, which is the lowest one, you're just going to start picking them off, the next highest one and the next highest one, and you're going to slowly begin to move up the list. And pretty soon he had done six of the seven, leaving only the tallest peak in the world, Mount Everest. And at this point, he is 60 years old. He has summited six of the seven. Let me give you a little history. In 2013, he attempted to climb Mount Everest, but he was unsuccessful due to altitude sickness. He really realized after he reflected a lot about that attempt that what really happened was he was not prepared physically or mentally for that climb. Now, he'd already climbed the other six, so he's not inexperienced by any means, but he realized that he was not truly prepared. In 2014, he went back again. 14 Sherpas were killed, and these Sherpas were the guides that take people up the ascent to uh, the top of Mount Everest. They were killed early in the season. The season was canceled. No, no more climbers are going to be uh, ascending to the top. In 2015, he had been on the mountain for 20 days, and there was an earthquake, and 30, or excuse me, 20 climbers were killed, and they canceled the rest of the season, and he was not able to make an ascent to the top. In 2015, or excuse me, 2016, he was making his acclamation. He, you know, it takes it takes a month basically to climb Everest, and most of it is all getting acclimated to the elevation. They were at 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 Camp Two above the base camp, and things were going great. He was feeling awesome uh, in his training, and all of a sudden, when they got to Camp Number Two, something was going wrong and he did not feel right and he had to see the doctors and somebody made the call that your life literally could be in danger and, and they, they misdiagnosed him but they flew him down off the mountain. Five days later, he had a triple bypass open heart surgery. He said, I felt fantastic. He's come to realize that it's not the success of getting to the summit that's the most important thing. It's the discipline that's required to get you prepared. And for him, that preparation is going to the local gym and getting on the stair climber for four to five hours straight. And the reason is because at 26,000 feet, you can't bend over and tie your shoes. And so those hours on the stair climber at the gym make it possible. And what he says is don't settle for small goals. He says most people, they don't make big goals for one of two reasons. One is comfort. We love comfort. When I said four to five hours on a stair climber, you went, oh. You became uncomfortable just at the, at the topic of what to do to get prepared, let alone to make the commitment to be prepared. 
Comfort is a huge driving force in our lives that keeps us from setting big goals. The second one is simply fear of not accomplishing. The fear of failure is extremely strong. And so we, we don't want to set those big audacious goals. So how does a man who's over 60 years old, how does he continue toward the big dream of climbing the highest peak in the world? And his answer is this, by breaking it down to the absolute smallest increment. And that increment is a single step. You've all heard it when somebody says, hey, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. How do you climb Mount Everest? One step at a time. How do we accomplish the goals that we have? It's by taking that step. I realize we're going to hit a wall. That's just human nature. Stuart said that in your training, you're going to hit a wall. But what happens is those small incremental steps will help your momentum carry you beyond the wall that you hit. And you will be able to succeed. The Apostle Paul, he does, in his, he does this exact same thing in his letter to the Ephesians. And we've been studying the book of Ephesians. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 32. Paul's going to break it down into the smallest increment possible. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other, just as Christ in Christ, God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Be kind. Be compassionate. Be forgiving. It doesn't sound very grandiose, does it? That doesn't sound big to me. To be kind, to be compassionate, to be forgiving to others. A couple of weeks ago, one of the things that we were talking about on Sunday morning is the fact that God is love. It's not just that He loves, it's that He is love. And so for you and I to break down this this life that God has given us and the goal which God has given us of going into all the world and, and sharing the message of God's love is simply to take the step of being kind, being compassionate, and forgiving others. If we're going to change the world, Together, we don't need superhuman ability. We simply need the discipline to take one step, to do one thing, to love other people sacrificially again and again. And we will hit a wall. But that small step of obedience will give us the momentum that we need to overcome all obstacles. We need to dream big. And believe me, the Great Commission is a big dream. To win our community for Jesus Christ is a big dream. It's an audacious dream. But we need to act small. 
which simply means to do the little things again and again and again, and that will help us move toward that goal. Number two, we need to be aware of the eternal. We tend to live in the here and now. We think about what we can see. There are forces, friends, that are natural and otherwise that are going to work against any goal that you have in your life. I I know what I'm talking about because make a decision today that you're going to work out tomorrow, okay? Make a decision. Man, it's nice out. I'm going to go for a walk tomorrow. It will rain tomorrow, okay? It will rain. The wind will blow. It will get cold all of a sudden, and you're like, oh, I'm going to have to put it off a day. There are forces that are at work to keep you. If you say, you know what, today I'm going to stop eating chocolate cake, somebody's going to drop a chocolate cake off at your house. Do you see what I'm talking about? It's like there are forces at work that are doing everything that they can to cause you to not do what your goal is to do. For Kent Stewart, the goal was to get to the top of Mount Everest. But at 26,000 feet, you can't bend over and and tie your bootlace. Forces are at work because at 26,000 feet, your body begins to die. I didn't realize that. Your body literally begins to die. And so you only have so much time until you can go from 26,000 to the summit and back before literally your body will just begin to break down. There are forces at work that want to keep us from our goal. But when we decide that we're going to be united as the body of Christ and change the world, we will come to realize that there are forces that are already fighting against us and those forces are not of this world. We don't become maybe aware of this until we begin to make that decision that we're going to work together as the body of Christ, we're going to be together, and that we're going to let God lead us toward those goals. But something is working against us, and as long as we're not moving toward that goal, I don't think there's going to be much that's going to fight against us. But when we begin to move toward the goal that God has for us, there are going to be those forces that we will see, no doubt. Ephesians chapter 6 Paul tells us, he tells the Ephesians about that struggle. He said, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, you might see the struggle that we have as being part of the body of Christ, as being with another person. But it's actually the spiritual forces of evil who oppose our mission to change the world. 
We will run into conflicting priorities. We will run into sickness and disease. We will run into discomfort. We will run into fear. We will run into time issues. We will run into apathy. There may even be family members. It's that way with every goal that we ever set. Why would it be any different if our goal is to be together as the body of Christ to accomplish the goals that God has given us? Why would we think that it would be any different? In fact, it's going to be worse. It's going to be more difficult. It seems that almost as if something is fighting against us all the time. And and friends, the Bible says that that is not flesh and blood that we're fighting with. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18, Paul says this, If we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is seen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The ultimate battle that we're involved in, folks, is the battle over the eternal souls of men, women, and children. And the enemy knows what's at stake. And he's working diligently. He's working hard because he wants to win that battle. He knows that heaven is real. He knows that hell is real. And he's totally okay if the people of this world do not believe in him at all. He's totally okay if they don't believe in hell. He's totally okay if they don't believe in heaven. The enemy is not just going to let us change the world without a fight. And his goal is simply to keep you and I, who are part of the body of Christ, part of the church, to keep us disconnected from each other. Satan's tactic is to divide and conquer the church because it's easier that way to take us on one at a time rather than for the whole force of the church to be advancing at once. Number three, we need to stay connected. I've said it before during this series that God created us to live in community with each other. If together we're going to change the world, we need to stay connected. It it will seem at times that literally everything will be Uh, All the forces of the universe are going to work to keep us from being connected. Our jobs are going to be working against us. Our personal commitments, our schedules, our appointments, our family, the kids are sick. We've got drama in our lives. we got to schedule vacation. There's school. There's disagreements. There's summertime. There's a list of things that are going to keep you and I from being connected as the body of Christ. And in light of the eternal consequences that are at stake, it shouldn't surprise us. The writer of Hebrews says it this way in chapter 10, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Friend, it's going to get harder as we get closer to the day when Jesus returns for you and I. Amen? Because he's coming back. 
And it's not going to be getting easier. It's going to be getting harder. But by gathering together as the body of Christ, we have the opportunity to encourage each other with love. When Ken Stewart makes his attempts on Mount Everest, and I love this story. I, I even looked on, on his Facebook uh, post. He's still, he's still trying to get to the top of Mount Everest. His training will last 17 months for an ascent on Everest. When he, when he goes to Everest, he hires the best guides that there are. He doesn't do it alone. He has a whole team of people that are working with him to accomplish the goal. Friends, as the body of Christ, we need each other in order to accomplish the goals that God has for us. We can't fall into the trap of thinking that in order to change the world, that change has to be super impressive. It's got to be a superhero kind of change. And only superheroes can bring that kind of change to the world. So you say, if I don't have superhuman ability and superhuman powers, I can't change the world. Let me remind you about Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers was ordained by the Presbyterian Church in the year that I was born, in 1963. It was very unusual because Fred Rogers did not have a parish. He did not have a church. He was not going into pastoral ministry. They ordained him and they charged him to minister to children and families through multimedia. That was pretty forward thinking. And every day, over his 33-year career, he would walk into the studio and he would say, God, may something that I say today be your words. Think of that small little thing. And yet, the impact that one man had over those 33 years, that every one of you could begin singing a song that he wrote for a children's show. There's a movie coming out about his life. The world recognizes the impact that one man had and that one prayer, God, let something that I say today be your words. What if you and I prayed that prayer every day before we ever left the house in the morning? God, let something that I say today be your words, not just my own. Could we change the world? I'll tell you what, we could for that person who receives those words. We can change their world. God can change their world, and they can change someone else's. Friends, changing the world, it doesn't require superhero powers. It doesn't require superhero abilities. It requires people just like you, just like me, to together Follow Jesus' example. To be, to be kind, to be compassionate, and to forgive. I'm going to invite you to stand with me.
out in the hub and the cafe as well. I'm gonna invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, we just, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, that, that you have declared this thing called your church. And Jesus, you said, I'm going to build my church. And Lord, I pray that, that today, that as a part of that body of Christ, that we're going to say, God, I, I commit myself. I commit myself to say, together, we will change the world. Not, not with our own agenda, but with your agenda. By spreading the love of Jesus Christ. We talked about this, this scripture numerous times over this series that, that by this all men know, shall know that we are his disciples if we have love one for another. Father, we pray that we will be kind. We pray that we will be compassionate, that we will forgive others in the name of Jesus. This morning as I was just making my final preparations, that word forgiveness really jumped out at me. And so I just want to be obedient to the Holy Spirit and ask this question. Are there those in your family? Are there those maybe in the body of Christ that you have struggled to forgive? And if that's the case, I believe that the Holy Spirit is present right here, right now. And that he wants to move us to a place where we're able to say, I forgive. I want to be kind. I want to be compassionate. I want to forgive. But as we close today, I simply want to pray for you right where you are. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just slip your hand up. Pastor, I'm struggling with forgiveness. Yes, I see hands all over. All over, don't be afraid. All over, I see hands. Father, you, you, this morning, your Holy Spirit has, has nailed it this morning. You can put your hands down. Father, I pray. I pray for a spirit of forgiveness to overwhelm the church. Father, that we might be able to forgive Lord, maybe it's a, a parent. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe, Lord, it's, it's one of our brothers or sisters. Lord, maybe it's someone from in the body of Christ. But Father, we pray that we will have the ability to forgive as Jesus has forgiven. Because I believe that there is a mission that you have for us. There's a purpose. There's a goal. And in order for us to accomplish it, we've got to be together. And then through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can indeed change our world. So Father, I pray, Lord, that you would have your way today. I just want to invite us all to pray together. I want us to pray a prayer of forgiving others. So let's pray it. Dear Jesus, I realize today that you are calling me to forgive others. I give up my right to be offended. I lay it down. No matter what someone else has done to me, no matter what they've said to me, I forgive. I make that decision today. I lay it down. 
And in its place, I pick up a spirit of forgiveness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Father, I thank you that even by a short prayer today, that you can begin to work in our lives and we can lay that unforgiveness down and we can begin to see forgiveness in our lives one to another. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in us today. In Jesus' name we pray.